mate toko maha kakate ahi. By the many will the fire be kept burning. I'm Justine Murray. Ko Maraya Rakraku Aho. I'm Maraya Rakraku. This is Te Ahika on Radio New Zealand National. Talk about an investment in your future. Nga Hauwefa or Paparangi Marae are doing that very thing. So we've by default named this the the weaver's paradise down here as we've continued to add to our stocks and to our breeding things here. So we're actually bringing them up to maturity here and then we're transplanting them around. We're doing landscaping, so we're doing wetlands as well so that all of the crafts, be it whareki or whatever it is that they're making, um, all the material that they need are actually here for training purposes. They can come back, they can plant, they can harvest. They can weave, we can teach. We're running a um, train-the-trainers course at the moment so that within four years when these plants are mature, we'll be, the students in the kapahaka will be making their own pew. How's that for some self-sufficiency? Bill Rawiri, Nahoefa or Papararangi Project Manager, joins us soon. To receive the full fullness of Maurita, you must have your traditional, you must have your richly carved, decorated meeting house. Pene Taiapa, Tohunga Whakairo in 1968, expressing his views on carving and its value to the Māori cultural framework and, though we live in a world of wireless, social media and in some ways mind-blowing technology, reminding us that what makes Māori, Māori, are simple basic tenets. You're listening to the sound of Te Ka with Justine Murray and Maria Rakuraku. It's your boy Taina. State houses are distinctive looking and located throughout New Zealand, for example, travel in any direction along State Highway 1 and you'll come across clusters of housing that often seem to be in the middle of nowhere. Like the railway houses in Taihape, railway huts and workers' cottages in Patone, Napier, Gisborne. And you'll recognise similar housing designs and then you start noticing something else. They seem to be clustered in areas that are now viewed as lower socio-economic zones. When Māori fish started to shift to the cities from rural bases, there was an incentive from the government in the form of housing and a practice called pepper-potting, where it was believed Māori would assimilate better into Pākehā life if located in predominantly Pākehā communities. Here's where another type of state house comes in. Auckland is perhaps the most obvious example of this policy in practice. Though, where there were jobs, there were state houses, and there was pepper-potting. Recently, I was in Marainui, a suburb in Napier that I grew up in that was a bit like this, and I saw what appears to my next guest, Chantal Brown, to be a reversing of that social policy. Okay, so that's the housing complex that I grew up in until I was six years old. Now we're going to turn down Bestall Street. Yeah, and Bestall Ave, and we'll go on to Percy's Villa. No, even now, these are still really nicely established homes here. Yeah, and the community members take pride in their homes. See all these houses down, oh, down here, down Fitzgerald. The tenants have been given 90-day eviction notices. So those houses are basically clone copies of the houses that are about yes, to get they... demolished. Yeah, these houses, the um, is 
uh, where a lot of the families have been. Oh yeah, I knew a family that lived in that blue house over there. Yeah, and they, those are really nice homes. Um, yeah, so the Housing New Zealand told us... a park. Yeah, and that park was just um, constructed. It's just been um, rebuilt, this park. They had another park that was well used. Though. Lovely, and over here too. Yeah. So, I mean, these houses are well maintained, eh? Yeah. Um, yes, no, it's empty. Yeah. Yeah, so many empty homes um, within our community, which... Uh, so what are they saying they're going to build in their place? Um, those, which way are we going? Uh, left. Um, the House in New Zealand isn't going to rebuild um, what we know of. They're selling the land off to private development. They only want to keep 15% of their stock, so that's a lot of houses um, gone from Housing New Zealand's portfolio within our community. So this is Percy Spiller Avenue, yeah, this which is, is Percy one of Spiller. the See, main Look at all routes. the, um, you know, the well-maintained gardens. Yeah. See if those houses had people living with them, then they'd... And these gardens have been maintained. here a long time. See, so empty. all of these are empty? Yeah, uh, empty. I don't know what's going on there, that house. Yeah, yeah, this is all empty. empty. Um, but it's a thing because they'll have an empty house and then they'll, they'll have a house... Um, With a person that, in it. Yeah. And how is it that they've been able to stay? Um, well, usually they... Yeah, That's see, a nice photo over here. Yeah, all of those are oh, yeah. empty. Yeah. It's quite sad. See all those houses, they've all been... Emptied out. Oh yeah, there's a whole lot of young people there playing basketball in the park. Yeah. Having a good look at us as we're interviewing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but gee, all empty homes. Um, my my nieces actually lived in that middle house. She still thinks this is her house and this is her um, park. But gee, uh, And she's... this is probably a five minute walk away from the Marae Town Centre, isn't it? Yeah, and then you've got access to the kindergartens, the Kuangareo, everything else that's here. So if you could look at this as being prime real estate. Yeah, yeah, well it is. And it, um, it just goes to show we've had a lot of improvements um, done by the council within our community. Um, new parks new toilets, new, um, we've got a Harakiki pathway that's a big humongous um, native reserve area with a lovely um, freshwater river running through it and that's just on the Boys High um, green belt, have you seen that? No. It's it's really, really pretty <laughs> and the opening's um, uh, this weekend, I think this weekend or next, no, the 28th of November. Yeah, but it, um, it amazes me how long uh, Marainu's been established and now all of a sudden um, there's new early childhood centres going up, new, um, you know, new native reserve areas, uh, new playgrounds and parks and, yeah. yeah so this is Getus Avenue? Yeah, we're going. Are we going to drive to Napier Boys High? Oh, I'll, I'll just show you. They are pretty. Okay. Um, so that's turning right up from Macefield Avenue onto Geddes Ave, going across the famous bridge over here. I don't know why it's famous. <laughs> it always seemed famous when I was growing up. And heading down to Chambers Street, Wade yeah. Bank Avenue by Napier Boys High School. 
So this is kind of like the outskirts. Here you go. Oh, yeah, that is lovely. Yeah, there's a beautiful new pathway that um, would be just a great asset for any kind of private developer to see, oh, they've got their own beautiful um, reserve. We're the first in Napier to have these. Um, and that's the thing about Napier, isn't it, too, eh, Chantal, is that um, a lot of Napier has walkways like this that run alongside creeks. Yeah. Or alongside little rivers. Yeah, so they want to, um, yeah, we, we, everyone said it as Marae is lucky to have that in their backyard, the Harakiki uh, waterway. But now I'm starting to see that um, maybe it was just a process of um, beautifying our community so that it's appealing to any kind of private developers. Oh, just my own thoughts anyway. Okay, so this is Napier Boys High School on our right. Yeah, and if we go down Nuffield, um, I could show you the site where the Kettle Cruise um, houses um, once were and the, the site that's been empty for many of years now that housed um, state housing. Yeah, and um, there's been many subdivisions that have been built throughout um, Napier, the Te Awa subdivision. So um, Te Awa is where we are now? Yeah, 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 this is Te Awa. That's another suburb that's, um, that's in Napier. Yep, so we go... Okay, so we're going to go down Nuffield? Yep, down Nuffield. I got my very first ticket of my life on the street when <laughs> I was about 16 <laughs> for not giving way. <laughs> oh, we don't want to repeat. <laughs> right. Yeah, and because um, Housing New Zealand tells people we're already uh, rebuilding new state houses but they're talking about the new state houses that they're building in, in Marewa and Kirokres, not about houses being um, rebuilt within the community. State housing tended to be pretty uniform, eh? They yeah. didn't have, they didn't deviate much yeah, from, from certain um, plans. plans and yeah. certain looks. Yeah. So as I drive through Napier, I can already see that, you know, this was the type of home that I've associated with a retirement home. Yep. You see them all through Mariwa. We've just passed a whole lot of Marainui. And so we're still going down Nuffield. So this joins uh, Marainui up with Mariwa. So we're on just the outskirts of Mariwa now, aren't we? Yeah. And the main um, point Street. that I want to get out to... Um, the wider community, wider New Zealand, is that um, the state houses, even though they mightn't um, qualify or, or live in a state house, those are um, state assets, and that and it's just another um, agenda of this government selling our state assets, assets of the money that that would be generated from the yep from the private housing. <gasps> <laughs> from the private housing, that's not going to go back into the economy of um, New Zealand government, it's going to go into private hands. So how is that um, 
making money for so our what, country. So these all get demolished? Yeah, these all got demolished. How many houses were there? Oh, there was, there was heaps. This is where, um, Kettle Cruise is where, I'm sure this is where, um, Unison, isn't this where Carr grew up? Oh, was that, um, oh, I'm not too sure actually. Yeah, the, those big, big lots of land. You know, so how many houses were on that block there? I'm not Chantel. too sure how much we were, we were mean, on that, there, but um, we heard that nine houses were getting um, rebuilt there. Nine, yeah. Um, the the house in New Zealand hasn't, uh, because we have asked to, uh, for them to consult with us, they haven't been clear about their plans, um, what they're going to do with, um, with the properties within within actually Napier and we were only given from Hope Summits in a, a pie graph of of what um, they were going to hold on to what they were going to sell things like that yeah because 48% how she wrote it was 48% of the housing stock in Marainu was state housing and they were going to keep 15% of that stock for um, Housing New Zealand, 15% sold to low social housing providers, which there are none in Napier, and 18% of that 48% stock was um, to be sold off. Yeah, but it wasn't like it didn't um, take the whole 100% of state housing stock and, you know, she didn't do it like that. And then she had a uh, another. So she, we're in Latham Street now, yeah, which Latham is a pretty Street. major road in Napier. Yeah. Getting... See, see how many entry points there is into Marino. Mm. There's a lot. It's good. Got good access. Yeah. Like there's um, the Tiawa um, Boys High entry, um, the Mariwa entry through. Um, and this is where the Harakeke Path would join yeah, up, right? Yeah. The Harakeke Path yeah. starts at. Um, and Latham Street and goes all the way through down to uh, where Napier Boys High School is. Oh, it actually starts down... What's... Ah, uh, not Lodge. Oh, yep, so I left into here. And all around the shopping area, they've cleared out um, houses and they've already demolished uh, two building... Uh, three actually three sets of building complexes. Um, they, the housing New Zealand told us that um, these houses no longer fit the families in need, but we also found that um, prior to the July 2011 uh, um, change in housing New Zealand eligibility. Um, there was hundreds of that families on the waiting list for Napier. Now there's only 75 families on the waiting list for the whole of Hawke's Bay. So, got to ask yourself, where so all this these? This is all empty. This is yeah. opposite the um, Marainui Town Centre, and all of these blocks or complexes, apart from maybe one or two, are empty. Yeah. And then you can now we'll just go into the um, shopping centre here. Now, when I was growing up, the shopping centre was thriving. Yeah. Now it it isn't. <laughs> it's full of empty shops. Yeah, they got the yeah a lot of empty shops, and that um, that used to be the post office. Yeah, yeah. 
you guys um, makes you wonder because th- this is just um, recently built this new playground, new brand new toilets. So there are all these new things, and yet the community is being shifted out. Yeah. So there's still money being poured yeah, in here. There's still money being poured into our community, but but it's it just bewilders you. Oh gosh, why they, they, they um, already demolished the houses over yep, there yep, on that corner. There's one, two, and there's one just over the other oh, side on Long, Long Fellow. Yeah, a bit on the corner of Bledisloe Darwin. Those two complexes have been demolished. And then if you go on to Long Fellow, there's a place that's just been demolished over here too, a complex. Gosh, these are all empty. Empty, empty, empty. Yeah, it's like a, you it's know, like a cleansing. Ghost, yeah, yeah, ethnic cleansing. It's like a. Yeah. And see, these are private. Those are private, um, privately owned. rented. Yeah. Or owned. Yeah, so. Nice to know a family that used to live in one of those. They yeah. don't anymore. And then these, that one's um, oh, been demolished. demolished. And then, so. These ones will be the next ones to... Oh, no, that one in Maysfield, and then then probably these ones. So, Shanta, just making an observation, this part of town does seem to be a little bit rougher than as you move more into Marainui. Uh, I guess the long lawns aren't helping, you know, or oh, looking yeah, neglected or yeah, dejected. there's no one living in them. So, so when people were living here... Yeah, it was very, very nice. See, I'll show you this um, house at the end, just over here. Really, really nice when um, people were living in them. This house had a beautiful um, beautiful garden. It was just so... Um, you know, what you can do with Housing New Zealand homes, it was just um, the garden out the front. They had native trees. When they were given the 90-day eviction notices, the person who lived there uplifted all the native trees. And um, So, yeah, I mean, these are people who have homes. taken pride in their homes yeah. Yeah. that they've had for often generations. Yeah. You know, another aspect of Napier that I'm always very aware of is how many alleyways there are here. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many alleyways in Napier. Yeah. You see that there is really... The gardens were beautiful. See, see, people take take pride in their... Yeah, because, I mean, these are state houses yeah, here too, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, those are all state houses. So and, do you um, think it's just a matter of time till they're shifted out? Um, well, they said that they were only targeting the two-storey houses, but... And see, down list the crest, there's a lot of empty homes. Yes, so that's where I came from earlier, and yeah. I was counting them. Yeah, a lot of empty homes... Yeah, quite sad. You're quite sad what the government's doing and what Housing New Zealand is, is also doing. And, um, you know, the, the like they've done research on these... Uh, they've got a belief that they want to make communities better by mix, mix, mixing them with um, some state houses, some um, majority... Uh, majority of privately owned houses and some low social housing um, providers but where are the people that can't afford to live, where are they supposed to go, where are the people that built this community, where, where are them and their families supposed to go you know, has the government got a magic pill for, for them 
Yeah. Now, shall I take you home? Oh, I'll just jump off at the, um, across the road from the marae. Where's the marae? Um, the marae is just go left. Carry on, I'll show you our marae actually. Is this Puke Muki Muki? Yeah. Have you been there? Yeah, quite sad. I wonder where these people. Yeah, and where are they going to go? And the, the government, they're crack up because they're like, um, you know, they have no understanding of the problems that they're going to create. Yeah, no social con conscience, I don't think. Isn't Pokemon Monkey down Riverbend, right? Yeah. Just on Riverbend, and over, um, just on our left, you know, where Richmond, the entry to Richmond is. Yeah. Well, they, that's where they're building the new. Um, the new early childhood centre. Another one? Yeah. How many do you need? Yeah, exactly. I mean, how many kids are here? Five the, million? Mind you, there's a lot of kids here, but Which the one? thing is, yeah, just left. Um, yeah, why are they building another early childhood centre? Makes you wonder. Indeed, kia ora, Chantal Brown, nor Ngāti Kahununu. Now, we will hear from her again as this issue has been played out in communities throughout Aotearoa. Stay tuned. And if you'd like to rehear that kōrero or in fact any former Tiahika broadcasts, you can do so at our webpage radionz.co.nz forward slash teahika. And any feedback can be directed to our email teahika at radionz.co.nz. Take a former community hall in Johnsonville, relocate it to Primo Whenua overlooking Wellington Harbour and repurpose it as a marae. And you have Ngā Hauewha o Paparārangi in Newlands, Wellington. They've been busy this year implementing a 20-year planting project involving Harakeke. Justin visited to find out more. Uh, kia ora Bill Rauri Takawingo, uh, Chairperson Ngā Hauewha o Paparārangi. Kia ora, kia ora Bill. Tēnā koe, ko Amanda Dobson tuku ingoa, um, and I'm on the committee at the Papakainga also. Oh, kia ora, my name is Rita Baker, I am German Kiwi and I'm a weaver from um, Kororareka, Russell, Bay of Islands. Oh, way up north. Uh, my name is Mario Punish, uh, yeah, I come from Germany. Wow, welcome, welcome. <laughs> so um, Bill, if you could describe what are we doing, where are we standing? Uh, we're standing at the top end of... Um, Nahauwha, or in fact, in Horakiwi, yes. we're really standing at um, Horakiwi under, underneath Horakiwi, and the hill up the top here is called um, Pukehuia, which is the the hill of the Huia bird. And so from here we want to we've got these beautiful old names, Horakiwi meaning the breeding ground of the kiwi, and Pukehuia with the Huia bird being extinct. So it is our dream to actually re populate and to regenerate this whole area back to its former glory. Are we talking pre-European this area absolutely, was just... Absolutely, this was this was named that and then what have we done with Horakiwi? Well we've made half it into a, into a quarry and we continue to remove the earth away from there and the other half we made into a tip which we've filled up now and put concrete on and made it all toxic so... When did the tip close down? Uh, tip closed about five years ago Oh, so relatively Six, oh, ten years recent. Ago. We're knowing that it's not right to have this, you know, in modern day. So we're using mataranga to yep. use the old methods along with the new methods and new science, technology, 
um, to actually restore this to its former glory. Excellent. And Rachel, could you tell us more about your capacity as a, as a kairaranga, as a weaver? You oh, weave? Oh, I'm a full-time weaver, yeah. Yeah, I've learned at Unitech, done the full-time class there six years ago, and been weaving ever since. Yeah. And so what's your relationship with, with Bill Rawari here, you? Um, uh, his relation? No, 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 no. Well, yes and no. We've um, relatives by marriage. My husband is related to him. And also... Um, our group of weavers in West Auckland, we've um, donated some of the plants that have been planted here now from our pa in Auckland. Wow. So we've brought Rita down here to show her that we are looking oh, after yes, what sorry. she's given her a tonga. <laughs> you received the uh, yeah, yeah, and it's really great that we can have the, those who cohort and gift it to us to actually come here and see it, what they've done. and. Um, just quietly, it's quite a different to what she actually thought. Thought we'd be tucked away in the valley and we showed her our views and then up here, whoa, whoa, whoa. So it is nice that um, to know that she's part of this total restoration and we really appreciate people like her. Restoration. We're standing in front of a row or a long line of, of harakeke. We did start with um, a selection of items from the Rini Orchestra collection done by Landcare at Christchurch. And then we asked the people to bring other ones that they know that are really good and and it would what a dreamer would a weaver would dream about and so we by default name this the the weaver's paradise down here as we've continued to add to our stocks and to our breeding things here so we're, we're actually bringing them up to maturity here and then we're transplanting them around we're, we're doing landscaping so we're doing wetlands as well so that all of the crafts be it uh, or whatever it is that they're making, um, all the material that they need are actually here for training purposes. They can come back, they can plant, they can harvest, they can weave, we can teach. We're running a um, train-the-trainers course at the moment so that within four years when these plants uh, mature, we'll be, the students in the kapahaka will be making their own pew. Man, that's all about self-sustainability, eh? Cool, so uh, we're going to... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this marae um, has its own weaving community. Uh, what happened with Ngā Whenua Rahui, uh, like a Māori arm from Dock, but with their own autonomy, they were very keen to see us as a group of Māori who were not from here. So all Ngā from different parts of New Zealand who have galvanised to the city because of work. Yes. And now our children and their children, our moko, a third generation, are growing up away from their own pā or marae and therefore... This is going to be the substitute for them. So for urban Māori um, from outside and all over, we got together and decided that we needed a place to bring out to Papuku to, and it's grown on from there. So 21 years ago, we wrote to the councillor seeking the use of the old dump land area, the tip here, and they gave it. And it's just turning into a beautiful reality. In fact, it was so good to be able to, during the... Um, Earthquake, um, earthquake, yeah, Christchurch earthquake to host um, 42 people here, and they just loved it because there's no traffic, no lights, no cars, no shops, and they could just play it, you know, like it used to be at home. So it's just stunning, and we're just blessed that we could help them and be part of this. So awesome. What does horokiwi mean? Uh, Amanda, I'll I'll vow to your more knowledge well, on that. Well, I mean, it's one of our um, one of our aspects of our of our big twenty year project is is Rangahau Research 
that's part of our role is to find out more um, and protect that knowledge and, and for the, the next generations, um, especially because a lot of it's been lost. Um, but pretty much a, a shelter a shelter place in, uh, of the Kiwi. Can't yeah, we, we just know it already. Treats it as uh, the breeding ground of the Kiwi. Yes, but there's and, no Kiwi. Let's be clear, there's no oh, Kiwi. Oh, ab- Kylie, yeah. there's absolutely nothing here now. Yeah. So um, in our desire to progress, we've... Um, done a lot of damage to the nature, to the land, and we just want to restore that. You know, so this is just peace and harmony down here. You just it's come lovely. back into the city. You know, and it's like a sanctuary. Yeah, well, it is. Yeah, so it's a 20-year planning plan. Yes. In fact, we did have five-year stages, starting with the Harakeke, and then in five years' time, we were going to introduce Rungawa, and then in another five-year stage, we're going to do Marakai. But the other two... Um, Groups have said no, they're not waiting, and so <laughs> all three of them are now doing it. So it's tripled the workload for us, but it is actually one because a lot of the plants have similar properties. If we look at the um, kia kia there, it fruits t- twice a year, so Marakai just loves that, and um, you know. It also has medicinal purposes, along like so many of the plants here. Even the harakiki, you know, it can be used for so many things, for splints, for boiling the, the root systems and so on. So, you know, the flowers, it's just, everything's yeah, got, a, just got a... goes on and yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. A, a connected use. And we want to use modern medicine, when we think about it, medicine's only 300 years old, with centuries years old of, of proven stuff and that, and combine the two. Mm. Yeah, yeah, so Marariki, the old and the new for us, yeah. That's one of your mocha ones, obviously. Yeah. So what's the process of Clearly. growing Harakeke and how do you ensure that it flourishes well? We're learning as we go, really. <laughs> yeah, you're learning okay, as we okay. go. Um, one <laughs> of the mean. things that we've, we have done here is we, we learnt that um, the puku of it or the curvature part of it should face to the sun so it gets the best part of it and that you've put them in a group of about three or four clustered around each other to make them strong and that and you've got a good three meters between each bush if they're going to stay there but here as i say it's a um because you're a weaver yeah. Eh, bill oh, yeah yeah <laughs> you're a weaver but yeah this particular one with the dark edge is, is mocha um and we just you know but we have named and gps every one of them what do you mean by gps uh, glo- global global positioning system and <laughs> yeah so we just open up with the wellington city council go to that map and ask them to say, where is this? And it zeroes in like a phone or wow. to tell you exactly where so it is. So you're a chip or yeah. something. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Some I'm smarts. so... Yeah, no, it's, it's awesome. We just know exactly where every plant is. And then on that, we've got the database relating to that plant. Now, there's a few daru that we that I just overheard about. Did someone tahai a harakeke plant? Yeah. Oh, well, some people believe Stole? that they that they need it more than us. <laughs> so, that's fine. So as long as they've planted it and it's in their home and it grows, <laughs> oh, ketepai, it'll come back. Yes, it'll you? come back in the shape of a kete. <laughs> yes, but this way here, we'll be able to look after and, and um, give them out to others so that we'll continue to um, maintain this beautiful tonga that's been given to us. Kapai, excellent. So there's about, oh, I'd guess about four... Maybe 30 to 40 harakeke all in a row are still growing, obviously. And this is part of the self-sustainable plan that this particular marae in Wellington has. You have to make your own rules depending on what you want to... But these ones, they, they have... Tine. They have um, really, really long, big flowers, and they tend to flower every single year. Oh, those nice, ones. So good collecting. Okay. Yeah. It's good if you want to make dye traditional dye, yeah, those flowers, yeah, 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 they're yeah, really, yeah. really nice sort of red colour, 
We can see here when we look at this particular one that um, each part of it is named. In fact, yeah, I'll let Rita. Yeah. The parts for you. So they're named. What's this one called? Eh? Arawa. Arawa or the. This one is Arawa. Baby? Oh no, this one. Yeah, that's yeah. the Rito. Oh, that, this, yeah. That's the Rito. That's the middle baby one, and then you've got the sides on each side. That's oh, the parents, and that's the Rito. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. But the, the the plant itself is Arawa. The variety. So every plant, plant has, has, has its own name. particular name. Yeah, and then each strand of the plant has a name. Yep. And each bit of the plant is used for different things. For example, the the stalk is used for torches. Tor for torches, when they used to tie them together and make torches at lanterns at oh, night and right. that sort of thing. The flower is used for sweetening and for dyeing and for making things look pretty. Each, each of the, the, in fact, you, you've got a bit of understanding, uh, Rita, about what this particular yes, plant is good for. Oh, uh, this particular one uh, will dry a nice yellow colour, and so that's very sought after if you don't have a place to dye. So you can use that one in combination with another one to make um, patterns on kitty. Beautiful. Yeah. So that, that particular one, the one just before is taiore. Taiore is a, is a good one for weaving green. In fact, it's my preferred one of weaving green because it doesn't shrink and you can harpine or soften it very easily while others you might want to boil them first. Yeah, oh. so they, they all have different... different um, yeah, so you can tell the weavers because they can look at the plant, name it and say, <laughs> yeah, that's good for this. That's, I love that for weaving green. I love this for the yellow colour. So it's the future of what it is yes, that we're doing. Right. Yeah, yeah, kia And so um, when would, like, are we talking... How long will it take for this harakiki plant to to be able to be to to be used and picked? Yeah, probably probably three years. The cycle three is years. three to four years, you know. But these because they were, came from cuttings and they're doing really well and being looked after too is the difference in that. So they're not fighting with yeah. other plants or being overgrown. Oh, okay. Um, so they're given every chance. You can see the protection shields around them for. Yes to stop the rabbits and we've also got mulch around there to keep them damp underneath which they do like yeah. but sunlight and that so a mixture of those and that so within three years these will be really ready for harvesting and and it'll be perfect and they're all going to be strong individual plants that will then divide and subplant out from these so this will be our base source So, Mandy, can we talk a little bit about you and what your role is? You know, I know oh, I'm just I'm just one of one of the kaitiaki and <laughs> the, the guardians. Rupu. Yeah, yeah. And um, are you I mean, a weaver? Um, you... Oh, I aspire to be a weaver. <laughs> I um, look forward to those opportunities. No, not at this point in time. Um, I'm I'm part of the support crew for the Rupu. Um Yeah, I mean, I just have personal passion for. Um, Titiaki Wenua, yeah, and um, I'm pretty yeah. much a local. I'm a, I'm a new kid on the block in, in terms of this kaupapa um, just in the last five years, and that's through our rangatahi with a kapahaka here. Yes, for the young people. Um, that sort of drew us in and um, become involved with the committee, and wow. my thing is the, the whenua, tiaki whenua. So, um, yeah, it's just started from the initial restoration project of just um, redeveloping the land up at the Papakainga, and now it's grown down to um, wanting to take re greater responsibility for being kaitiaki down here at Te Waihinahina. We, I don't think we mentioned that name earlier. No, you so didn't. This is the original name for this park. Um, it's got a sort of secondary name in memory of Dennis Duggan, um, a local person at some point in time, and, um, but the original name is Te Waihinahina, which refers to the, the stream. So um, so we're kaitiaki of this place as well in, in partnership 
partnership with the council. So um, they're supporting us and supplying the um, some of the plants. The, I mean, this Pu Harakiki is is really special. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty exciting the opportunities that are starting to happen and I just think the, the time for this has really come. Mm. It's been 20 years of this far no sort of working towards wanting to do these things and now it's all go, it's all happening. It's all go, go, yeah, go. It's fantastic. Your background's in education, oh. um, Amanda. Yep. How does that help you in, in this role as, as being a kaitaki? Uh, well, I mean, it just has given me lots of opportunities to... Um, to learn alongside um, Tamariki and whanau, really. And yeah. so um, I've been predominantly in the early childhood sector um, with a kohanga background, kohanga reo with my children, and um, more recently a pinareo that's a seed from that um, locally. And so we take every opportunity to connect our children to these kind of um, learning experiences. So yeah. we bring our um, pinareo tamariki up to the papakainga uh, as much as possible um, and, and they have every opportunity to plant and learn about the t- um, kaitiakitanga as well because it's critical. So we're here um, in the way in the area called uh, Waihinahina in the Newlands area Wellington and uh, having a look at the Puharakeke with Bill Rawiri, Rita Baker and uh, Amanda Dobson. Okay. Yes, that's um, Yeah, so we're doing the same thing here because we had a lot of watercress growing here. Yeah. And then when the when the, the all the toxins came in, it killed it all off. Well, it made it unsafe to eat. So by putting this along outside the stream again, it'll dilute the the, yeah. the evils, and we'll be back to eating. I'm just pointing out the huge amount of kia kia that's a, that's yeah. that's here and around, and it's just stunning and that into. We use this as a classroom, so we invite the Wanangas to come down here to show people what is available, and hopefully then they'll go back to their own marae and do the same or similar. Do you harvest them for weaving? Yeah, but we, we, we go back in further. Go back, yeah, you would have yeah, to, yeah, yeah, to get yeah. them So we use this as a training aid, the blackboard. Yeah. The ones down here. <laughs> nice. And the ones up the top, we just go in and there. And we've actually tried to... Um, to, to transplant some, but it's quite difficult. So, you know, we're just letting it do its natural thing here. Yeah. You mean transplant as in get some kind of care? Take it from here just to the other hill and put it around that so mm. we've got a continuing source. But we're working close with um, Otari, and now we've just got people from uh, Zealandia joining us too as part of the Rongoa. And what's Zealandia? Uh, Zealandia is where the... Um, it's a council operated uh, with Wild, yeah, yeah, the wildlife century, but century. but it's all with um, huge fencing and all that sort of stuff, and we're going to have nothing like that here. It's just going to be natural. Yeah. Now with with Wellington, you get you know four seasons in one day kind of weather. How susceptible is this puharakeke to the rain and wind? Oh, it's like the natives quite hardy, actually, yeah, you know. It's a good shelter with all this well, cake here, you know. Well, true, but if you look at the plants there, this, this lot here was planted in February. Now, your lot was planted oh, three months, four months ago. June, July? Yeah, so... Yeah. And, and, and so they're just stunning, you know. They just really are, and, and, and some of them will be two years, some will be three years we'll be harvesting, yeah. Formium is it some? Um, I think it's Greek. Is it its Greek name or Latin name? Oh, for, mean, formium. Formium means tough. Tenex. So, yeah. 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 And then you've got formium cookianium. Yeah. That's the mountain flax. Oh. And you've got one of those as well. I've noticed. Okay. Yeah. Tough, so yeah, so that, a, that, yeah. that name, you know, describes yeah, its, its It's, it's the fibre within, you know, when the English arrived here, obviously they named it, they gave it the botanical name. Right, I, don't I don't know if it was Banks himself who did it, but um, yeah. somebody would have done it and they would have used um, 
the characteristics and they would have seen the natives as it were using it for buildings and clothing and um, that's, right. that's where the name comes from. And of course they had all of the uh, mills that they put up and live in and around that area. Oh, there's a stream down there. Yeah, oh yeah, it's beautiful. There's waterfalls in here, stunning waterfalls. But no, it is stunning. <laughs> and and from here we're Lincoln to Woodridge, and from Woodridge onto Situ Nosita, and from there into Tawa. So we have this whole beautiful really thing. Good. And if we look out here, we've got Matua Soames Island, so we've got the nursery and sanctuary, and we've got um, Otaria and uh, Zelandia. So all these things now, so we want the plants just to come again and things here. Yeah. So we do have some local strands of Totara, uh, and different plants here, but we're going to help it along a bit with its journey, yeah. Is but this we'll a tramping to... area, Bill? Do people uh, come through Hikui through here? Uh, they do, but more in Situ yeah. Nosita. Uh, this one here, it's more of they bring their dogs down here for a run around and yeah. stuff like that, but with the Woodridge and Situ Nosita, it's beautiful. So we've got same or similar over there. We're actually here with the plants right alongside them, and we're actually, you know, just pick the fruit from them and show them. And these ones here actually are very much like a pineapple. Oh. The fruit on these, yeah. So it, sees, it fruits twice a year. And it's absolutely stunning. And, of course, the weaving of that is just brilliant. So, oh, yeah. so Also here, you can see all the land that we've got to re replant out. So along the edges will be there's, there's beautiful walkways. There's actually some um, really big ponds around there now. So we'll be having all the... the all the different plants that for the wetlands planted in and around the thing, so it'll just be stunning down here. It'll, it'll be you know. stunning. So we're not. We talked about a 20-year vision. I'm now talking about 100 years. What's going to happen? So our strategic team have got to go out another five times just to what we want. Because <laughs> why not? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it will be here for our great, 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 great kids. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so, that's you know. right. Yeah, so what was a dump will be back to its former glory, so yeah. So where we're standing used to be the dump? Yeah, yeah, this was all full roads, that was the road where the trucks come down and they just kept filling it up, filling it up. So this was the valley that went straight to the sea, so our awa come down through here and now we diverted it. So did Newlands used to smell? Stink. Over here it did, of course. It was 20 odd years? Yeah, 25 years, but yeah, all the seagulls and everything else that's associated with rubbish dumps and that sort of thing and that, but it's been kept now and they've got gas outlets and so on for the things. But no, it's just, we're so lucky to be here and be part of being able to create nature or bring nature back to what it used to be in its former glory. Oh, kia ora, Bill Rawiri, Paparārangi Project Manager. He was joined by Weaver, Rita Baker and Marae Committee member Amanda Dobson. There are photos posted up right now. Head to radionz.co.nz forward slash te ahika. A few weeks ago, Dr Ngarino Alice was on te ahika, talking about the Iwirako Carving School based at Waiapu Valley on the east coast. Ngāti Pro, which was also the subject of her doctoral thesis, A Whakapapa of Tradition. Iwirako Carving, 1830-1930. The Iwirako Carving School was responsible for building and decorating over 30 meeting houses in and around the Ngāti Pro area, producing carvers Hone Nātoto, Hone Tahu, Riwaipakero, Tikihirini and Tāmati Nākaho. And through association, because he worked under the tutelage of Hone Nātoto as a young fella, 
Pini Amini Tayapa. His work can be seen on a number of whare, including Te Hono Ki Rarotonga at Tokomaru Bay and Te Whitirea Whare at Whangara. In this week's archival segment, we head back to 1968, a few years before his death, where Pini Tayapa explains Ngā Mahi Whakairo, carving, with interviewer Jessica Waddell. When did you first become interested in Māori carving? At, at, at a very early uh, stage in my life. I suppose it would be about the age of 15 and 16. We mature very quickly in those days. And I was a matured young Māori youth at the age of 16. And did the, the art of this carving, was it handed down to you by your parents or your grandparents? There was a, a grand absence of uh, the art throughout the whole of my tribe, tribal area. And it's just one of those things that I loved doing and did. Now, if you taught yourself this carving, how did you know about the Maori legends? Ah, no. I didn't teach myself. I was only mucking around with it, playing with the, with the chisels and the wood and so on. But my whole background was built on Maori tradition and Maori history. My youth right up to that particular date. And to make it exact, 1915 is a very important year to me. That's the time I interested myself in Maori culture. Not only carving, but also plaiting, weaving, and all of the other uh, aspects of Maori culture. Haka, action songs, and I was in the midst of it. You are considered the finest of Maori carvers. Have you always stuck closely in your carving to the Maori legends? Yes, that is the reason why uh, I am different from others. Uh, mostly, uh, uh, the carver beca- becomes a copyist. And without the background of historical and traditional knowledge, you can't incorporate the desire to produce something a little extra. Thereby, the distinction between my work and other carvers. What are some of the Maori gods that feature very much in your work? There are no gods featured in it, none whatsoever. Only ancestral uh, uh, images are projected onto carvings. No gods. They don't play a part in uh, Maori uh, carving. If they feature your ancestors, do they tell a story of some kind? Ah, that's the most outstanding thing about one's background. If you are steeped in history and so on, it comes very, very easily, and you, you can depict it or display it on your work to the satisfaction of the whole community. And that's the essence of a good carver. What would be one of the favourite stories, traditional stories, that you've told in a piece of your carving? Ah, uh, I'm a, a, a compiler of a, rather a, a choice uh, theme on our most outstanding ancestor called Tufa Kaiviora. This man is noted for several things. In particular, his intimate relations with the opposite sex. And uh, this is beautifully displayed in every building that I'm requested to carve this ancestor, each one with a twist or an angle as satisfactory to the locality. And on the East Coast, this is beautifully done in his many activities concerning this particular uh, aspect of his life. 
So a Maori master carver such as yourself would take poetic license with these stories just as any Western poet might. That's right, that's right. That is the essence of uh, being uh, 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 noted for being either a good carver or normal carver or just an average carver. Now, coming to the actual carving itself, what tools do you use? Uh, at the present time, all modern tools. And uh, these are uh, uh, tools in which there are two cutting edges, making the work actually 20 times quicker to uh, uh, perform than the tools of our ancestors, which were laborious and hard to maintain a cutting edge. That's where the advantage of the iron tool uh, came into the work. Looking at the carving done with modern tools, is there a difference in appearance and feel from the carving done with old Maori tools? There's a vast difference. Uh, the uh, uh, the uh, uh, easy pairing off of the undesired timber to produce the figure or figures desired is so easy that uh, your uh, your production is greater, your uh, adaption of your historical stories into the figures easier because of this uh, easy uh, uh, finish in your work and really uh, the modern tool had changed the feature and uh, the concept uh, of carving from the old uh, to the present one now. Remember, uh, this began somewhere about in the year 1850 to 1860. I have been asked this question many times. To me, the work produced by the iron tool between these periods, or critical period of the introduction in general of iron tools right throughout Maoridom, is the very source of traditional Maori carving as we know it today and yet it was done by modern tools. If you take Maori uh, traditional carving as prior to this, we have no evidence whatsoever as to its form and excellence or standard. So the uh, traditional carving began in its seriousness and its present form only since 1850. As this is a subject, obviously, so very close to you, what do you see as the future for the preserving of Maori culture through carving? I'm glad uh, that uh, at the present time, this is the second year of the activities of the government in uh, establishing the School of Maori Arts in Rotorua, which my young brother, John, is the present uh, uh, instructor. And uh, the, the boys selected are from all the tribes of New Zealand. At the present time, I think there are 12 boys there, representing every major tribe in New Zealand. These boys have been there for two years now, and they're expected to do 4,000 working hours so as to qualify. This, to me, is a wonderful move, because these boys coming from the different tribes will go back to their tribes, and naturally, they must raise the standard in their locality the, the, uh, uh, at the time when they return there. And I'm sure it is the intention of the government, when they do go back, there will be a continuity of the art in their area, maybe through tourism, maybe through uh, being employed in the schools or colleges, 
but uh, there we are. Their uh, future is assured. That's why I was one of those that uh, recommended that for the people to support. My own nephew now in the school is one of the students and a boy who will be more outstanding myself. He is really brilliant. Maori tanga, Maori culture, how do you define this? <clears throat> Maori culture, uh, that is carving, weaving, painting, fishing, other things, is a part of Maoritanga. And the essence of Maoritanga is in the cultural sense. The very pinnacle of Maoritanga is the cultural side of it, of things. The others are mere vocal and uh, visual things and uh, they add to uh, the essence of Maori culture which is made up of carving, tukutuku work, that's the panning in between the carvings, the painting that is in the rafters and on the ridge poles. These things represent Marita at its fullness because here is the emblem, here is the uh, gold of every tribe to receive the full fullness of Marita you must have your traditional, you must have your richly carved, decorated meeting house. By having that, you then realize that you have a big community, that you have a well-united community. Your women folk are well up in their standard of work, which at the, pre at the present time, this is, I'm talking of 1968, at a very low ebb. More is the pity. My job is to bring them up uh, to their correct level in the very near future. And the traditional dress of the Maori, which enhances the car building, is wrapped up in that Maori culture. The action songs and the huckers and so on, and a little to it, but it's not as uh, great in impact to Maori makeup and Maori mentality as the arts, carving, tukutuku, painting, and plating and weaving. These go hand in hand, and these are the hallmarks of Maoritang. Kia ora, Penny Amini Tayapa, recorded in 1968 with Jessica Waddell. We've posted links about Penny Tayapa on our webpage, radionz.co.nz forward slash te ahika. Anaira Amanda Dobson with this week's Fagatoki. Mate toko maha kaka te ahi by the many will the fire be kept burning, and so you know just so in line and um, yeah complementary and it yes. just seems like that really our big goal has been to um, connect people to this place and bring the people in and and really you you need the the numbers to to really get the energy up and and it's I mean you know we want people to know we're here and what we're doing and that we're here for every, you know Ngahoe Far is about acknowledging that we're here for the entire community to benefit from.
Now, yesterday saw the closing of the 28th Māori Battalion Association. I'll present recordings from that in next week's programme. As to feedback from iwi in relation to the High Court water proceedings that took place during the past week. And don't forget, we've also got, drum roll please, <laughs> the kid from Kawero, John Rolls. Hey, and well done to all the Māori athletes from last week's Māori Sports Award. Ai he wahini toa a Lisa Carrington. A he mihi tēnei ki a koutou katoa e aretaringa maina ki tēnei o ngā hōtaka. Atu i tērā ki ngā kairā, wiki wiki mihini ngā mihi. Hoki mai hei tērā rātapu. Mai te whanau a te ahi kā ki a tata katoa. Mauri ora.